This is Criterium Nation, a show about life lived one corner at a time. I'm your host, Rob Kelly. It's one thing to set a goal, to say that this is your mission in life or this is your mission in the next year or month or whatever it happens to be. It's an entirely different thing to take the steps that need to be done in order to meet and reach that goal. Everybody can agree that Kendall Ryan, the guest on today's show of Legion of Los Angeles, has set her goals and she's doing what needs to be done in order to get there. She wants to be a member of Team USA at the 2021 Olympics. But more than that, she wants to be the queen of criteriums. She has a long career of just tremendous amounts of success and a lot of emotion and passion that goes with that. What we get to talk about today is everything around that, about her life at the Olympic Training Center, about her new team, Legion, and about what she wants to leave as her legacy in the sport. Speaking of legacies, I want to tell you about the Wide Angle Podium Network of Shows, the world's only top-tier collection of independent cycling content. Head on over to WideAnglePodium.com, take a look at the full line of shows, and become a member. And by doing so, support this creator-owned network and help make it easier for folks like myself who are trying to provide you with information and entertainment in this year of pandemics and hopefully in 2021, a year filled with bike racing. And since we're talking about websites, head on over to CriteriumNation.com for all the information that you can find, including our brand new blog, Corner to Corner, which is going to feature stories about things that are happening inside the racing community that sometimes we will feature here on the podcast, and sometimes they're just things that are happening outside of that. We've got some great co-authors who are going to be joining us and writing pieces. So head on over to CriteriumNation.com and check out Corner to Corner. I want to get into the episode here with Kendall, and I hope you enjoy. My name is Kendall Ryan. I live in Ventura, California. I race for Legion of Los Angeles as of 2021. Currently on the Olympic long team for track cycling for the Team Pursuit and Madison. And that's why you're joining us from the lovely confines that are the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. As a kid, I... A kid... As somebody who was 20 years old at one point in time trying to make the U.S. Olympic <laughs> team myself in a different sport, I always wanted to go to the U.S. Olympic Training Center. It was the like crown jewel of the swimming world. To get to watch your social media now from a place that I always wanted to go but never was able to go there, it's kind of like living vicariously through. <laughs> Tell like the normal person what it's like to be surrounded by the best of the best athletes, coaches, facilities, all of it. What's it like being there? I've definitely always been so excited to come to Olympic Training Center. It's a super motivating place. You know, I have these thoughts of like, oh, how I wonder how many people, how many Olympians have trained in this gym or, you know, been on this track. And it's just, you know, those are really like awesome, motivating thoughts. And yeah, it's just a really cool environment. You have the best equipment, you have the best staff here to take care of your, you know, lingering injuries or um, any issues that kind of come up. There's like a wealth of information on performance and, um, and recovery. And it's just a really good resource for um, athletes like myself you know, to have the opportunity to train here for a month or two months at a time or however long I really want to stay here. But I, yeah, I, I mean, I can go about like a month and then I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to reset, go home, cover a little bit down at sea level. That's also one thing that I, I struggle with is coming up here to altitude. It's, you know, adapting to altitude in a way, like my, my training changes a little bit because, 
yeah, I just, you can only be in the red for so long and try to recover and try to go again in an effort and you're just totally dead because of the altitude. But yeah, no, it's, it's awesome being here. The last indoor bike race I ever won was in Colorado Springs. Dang. I had been brought to the Air Force Academy, which is located in Colorado Springs, to do some work in in my paying job. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what I was going to do or how I was going to occupy myself during the the evening time. And it was like November. And in Colorado, November is cold. And the sun sets relatively early, but there was a CompuTrainer race. Oh, my God. That was happening. And it was the very first day that I got to see Springs. And I was like, I'm just going to get in this CompuTrainer race. There was 10 other people. It was held at one of the local shops. There, It's no joke. Once you find yourself past that like threshold point, your ability to stay at that level decreases like dramatically. It's really kind of scary. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I kind of think of myself as like, a turbo <laughs> when I when I wind it up. And yeah, it's like I only have so much. And then as soon as I'm in the red, I just it's gonna take ages for me to recover from that effort, you know? So um yeah, it's like you can only go so deep and you really have to kind of find that that point and test yourself kind of where you can can push it and where you kind of have to like sit. Otherwise it's yeah, once you go in the red, there's like no coming back. Bye. The thing is, is that this isn't your first rodeo when it comes to Colorado Springs or the Olympic Training Center. You've mm -hmm. been at the top end of our sport cycling for, uh, I don't know, close to 15 years now. You know, you represented Team USA at the Junior World Championship in 2009, 2010. You've been in and out of the training center a lot, but these last couple of trips have been categorically different than the trips that you would have taken before. Talk to us about, you know, what it's like being there now when COVID's around, when we're dealing with lockdowns and quarantines. I mean, you've become very close friends with Mandy Marquette. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's super great. We have, we have a good time. Um, and we've actually known each other since, uh, gosh, when we started racing, like nine, 10 years old on the track. So we have a, a long history of knowing each other. And uh, but yeah, this is probably the first camp that we've ever really got to spend a bunch of time together. It's been pretty hectic, not going to lie. We have on-site athletes here in Colorado Springs, and then we have off-site athletes. So we have five riders on campus that train together, and then the other three are off campus. It's kind of hard because we can't do all of our events, our Olympic events, because our, our groups are split up and we can't all train together. So we've had to kind of adapt and make it work. And yeah, I mean, the coach has been really great coming up with, with different uh, training ideas and stuff like that. But um, yeah, not having the whole team together has been pretty hard. Yeah, it's, it's also been really nice in the gym because it's super empty and <laughs> no one's babysitting any equipment. Um, I'm just kidding. No one, I feel like no one at this level babysits equipment. They like get their shit done and then they, <laughs> they take off. But yeah, it's, it's been, it's been pretty, uh, pretty good. Um, I'd say this is the only year since I was probably six years old that I haven't raced. I'm 28. That's a lot of uh, a lot of time, just a whole year not racing. It's it's been pretty weird, not <laughs> really really weird. Uh, so it's just been a lot of training. Yeah, right now I'm actually dealing with a little bit of a, a lingering issue, injury with my my sciatic nerve. Um, so yeah, that's probably why you you saw the uh, dry needling. Um, everyone's been asking about that, but uh, yeah, it's oh yeah, I really want to talk about that because. It was something that my chiropractor was doing two days ago to the patient who was in there before me. And I was just like, how is it possible that this particular topic that I'm curious about and that I know that the person I'm about to interview is is going through is happening like right in front of me? Before we start talking about dry needling, you know, I, I want to make sure that we cover something else that's equally critical to an athlete's life and that's food and food at the Olympic training center. I've seen 
a lot of videos and pictures of of you guys eating there and, and having what looks to be like the best college cafeteria food that I've seen around. What's it like there? Yeah, uh, the food is pretty freaking great here. I think some of the best um, meats that I've I've ever had. I, I know that um, they specifically go to some some particular place to get the meat, and it's it's just absolutely delicious. So yeah, they always have steak, chicken, some kind of meat item. They they like to mix it up so that you you know taco night. We've got pad thai Tuesdays. We've got you know pasta. They make pizzas. They they do all kinds of stuff for us. So we're really fortunate. They they mix it up and um, it's never boring. <laughs> so it doesn't get monotonous. But yeah, I mean the chefs here are, are really friendly and um, they make really good food. And yeah, they always they always try to make sure it's like you know a good part in our day. But yeah, the quality of food here is is super good. Um, never had any complaints about that. Now, do you run into issues with being able to sit at the cool kids table or <laughs> is everybody part of the cool kids table? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, right now during COVID, usually each sport tries to sit together. Um, we still try to keep our distance. All of us are wearing masks um, unless we're eating. So yeah, at the moment we, we can't all sit together, but yeah, everyone's super cool and, you know, says hi and um it's actually pretty quiet. There is a few para athletes, athletes here, um, swimmers, wrestlers, and then, you know, us cyclists and, uh, yeah, just not a whole lot going on. Um, I'd say top like 20 athletes, maybe talk about the track that they've got in Colorado Springs. I had the opportunity to hang out there one day because, uh, I had some free time and, you know, just sit in the park that was surrounding the track, but this was during the summer and, you know, it wasn't bubbled. Now it's bubbled. So you guys can use it 24 seven, you know, 365 days a year. Is that a, a good facility for you? I mean, it's definitely a, a great facility. It's, you know, the fact that it's covered, I will say it is freaking cold in there um, in the winter. Like it's below 50 and ugh, that just, it drives me nuts because I'm, you know, a California girl, 70, 75 every day. I like being warm. And yeah, we do these track workouts and I'm just freezing my ass off. But yeah, I mean, it'll, it makes you hard, I guess, makes you tough. So, um, but yeah, this is definitely a, a good, a good power track because, you know, because it's concrete. Um, it's a bit bumpy as well. <laughs> Corner three, I hate you, but <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, we, we get some really solid workouts done on that track. Yeah. So can't, can't bash it too much. <laughs> I love the California, the Southern California, specifically cycling Instagram world. The temperature dips below 85 and suddenly leg warmers are coming out. Yeah. Everybody's got the vest. Yeah. I mean, it was it was 32 degrees here today when I went out riding and I was just like, oh, man, it's balmy. I'm going to have to wear the light gloves. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Nope. I'm in like full gear. I've got like three or four layers on when I'm riding outside on the track. I've you know, I'm wearing usually what would be like wearing a long sleeve skin suit and I'm wearing a jacket on top of that and leg warmers most times. It's just, it's too cold for me. But yeah, I mean, it's it's really, really strange too that it's not heated most days, like in the winter, just because when we race World Cups or World Champs, whatever, it's, it the track is so hot, you know, and that makes, that makes wood tracks, you know, super fast, you know, all the different conditions and pressures and all that science stuff that I have no idea what goes on, but it makes it super fast. But yeah, I mean, with, with that, it's like here, it's just, it's just cold and, you know, just buckle up and go hard. <laughs> you know, that's pretty much it. They don't, uh, they don't heat the track up for us. So, but it's all good. I mean, I guess this track breeds world champions. So it's just pain. <laughs> I love the 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 reality of that. It just hurts. That's it. Yeah, it hurts. It's gonna hurt, but 
you know, pain's temporary. It'll go away once you stop. <laughs> so. Okay, so this wasn't part of anything that I planned on talking about. And, and so it's always dangerous. One of the things they tell you in, in law school is never ask a question that you don't know the answer to. Okay. So I'm asking a question that I don't know the answer to. But it's about it's about that that kind of like pain idea, that concept of like it's just it just hurts. Yeah, I was recently talking to Olivia Ray of Rally, and she was talking about a group ride that she had been on, you know, because she's in New Zealand and they have a functioning society down there, so they can, you know, like do group rides because COVID's completely under control. And she's like, the the women who I was riding with, they just they just didn't want to hurt. They didn't care to hurt. They weren't going hard enough. And I and I was like, it, it's just such a fundamental part of our sport and a fundamental part of being an athlete that you're like, no, it's cool to be in pain. It's cool to be uncomfortable. It is what we thrive for. Like that feeling that you get after you're done with weights and you're just like, I can't straighten my arms out my, or like <laughs> I, I can't sit down. Why do you think we gravitate towards like embracing the hurt? You know, I, that's a great question. I, uh, I grew up in cycling, so I've got a bit of like that old school and new school, you know, like I grew up right, you know, racing. I didn't have power meter. I didn't even like train with a hurry monitor. I just got on the bike and went hard, you know, and chased after my brother and, you know, and all the the juniors that we were racing with and the Williams brothers. And it was more based off of a feeling. And I just, yeah, cycling hurts. <laughs> um, it freaking hurts. And yeah, it's not, a, it's not for the faint hearted. The thing is, is that we love, we love the hurt and we chase it. And you chase it in a specific place that a lot of bike racers, a lot of endurance athletes don't chase it. And that's the weight room. If if anybody follows Kendall, you know, Ryan on Instagram or social media, you know that one, two times a week, there's going to be some insane weight room action. And, uh, you know, like what was it the other day was the Olympic Training Center, like literally has a box jump staircase that you all get to use. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> like, it's pretty cool. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Why is it that you have found your way into the weight room and, you know, just have embraced that? When I started out my professional career, I never used to go to the gym really. And I would do kind of like full body exercises, maybe some core, you know, some balancing act, just just stuff that wasn't really, you know, it was more like maintenance. And it was more, I was like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to gain all this weight from lifting. And, you know, it was more of that approach um, where I didn't really have the knowledge that I have now. Also, just my, my older coach, I had Roy Nickman as a coach when I was, when I was younger. And um, we just never really focused on the gym. It was all about power on the bike, doing big gear efforts on the bike. And I just, I never really focused on my upper body and having kind of like what I call like a, the complete package, you know, and just being more solid because I find that, and this, this is, this is different for everybody, but I find that I, I'm, I'm stronger when I have some muscle up top and I feel more solid on the bike, my sprints better. And that was kind of around the time where I, I found you know, a bit of my identity on the bike as well and became known as a sprinter. I just kind of like ran with it because I I felt better. I felt like I wasn't having as much injuries. I felt like uh, like I had, you know, obviously more power in the sprint. And I felt also that I wasn't as fatigued in my back or upper body when I'm having these you know, super anaerobic efforts. Um, you know, I don't feel that like, oh God, I'm just super exhausted. I have nothing. And so, yeah, I started to do a lot more gym. Um, I changed coaches. I'm, I'm now coached by Joanne Kizanowski. Um, she's a three-time Olympian on the road and the track. And she's, she's really also encouraged more, more weightlifting because, you know, 
she's Miss CrossFit. And um, yeah, she just, uh, I guess it, it's funny because um, we used to be teammates. We always joke around how awesome day, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna coach me and you're gonna get me on the track and I'll be like you in the weight room. And and I was like, I just want to be an Olympian like Joe. And uh, yeah, so definitely her influence has also got me into the gym more. And I I really love it. I really love it. And I, I've learned a lot from her. And yeah, so I mean, we kind of just talk before my gym workouts. And she tells me kind of, you know, what what she wants me to focus on. And then I just make up the gym workout in my head. That's kind of the next question is like, I went down the rabbit hole a few days ago on YouTube with the the GCNs and the CTSs and, and all of those major coaching companies or, or cycling folks. And I was just like, okay, what are the things that cyclists need to do in the gym? What are the things that people recommend that we do in the gym? And it's a lot of the same stuff that you would commonly think, you know, like squats and deadlifts and, and core workout. But then once you get past that like very narrow window of things that everybody seems to agree with, it radically shifts left and right depending on where you're going. So like I'm a big proponent of doing shoulder and arm workouts because there's three touch points on a bike, you know, your feet, your saddle and your handlebars. And if you don't have strong shoulders, that's the thing that's holding your head up and you're going to fatigue pretty quickly. Where did you come up with your set of knowledge about the workouts that you're doing? Because you're doing advanced things, you know, you know, it's not just bench and deadlifts and squats, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of things that, you know, shows uh, a, a level of maturity when it comes down to weightlifting. I, I guess I would say it, it does come down to, you know, what I think I need to work on, where I could be better. But yeah, it's it's shoulders. I do a lot of shoulders. I I do a lot of back accessories as well because, you know, I'm, I'm spent hunched over in this position for hours and hours on end, you know, more than more than than normal. Um, So yeah, it's just, I have to spend the time opening myself back up, opening my, you know, stretching back and just so I can, you know, sit straight when I'm sitting, you know, sitting in a seat. (laughs) It's just, I guess, find, find things in the gym that can kind of counter what you're doing on the bike. And also, you know, I've got a super weird riding style, like, if anyone knows me, knows my riding style, like I wiggle a lot. And yeah, I mean, I need to, I need to make sure my back is strong. I need to make sure my core is strong. And yeah, obviously in sprints, I, I want to be able to throw the bike, throw down. And, um, you know, I want my, I want my arms to be strong and I want to be able to, you know, cycling is a full contact sport. Like we're, we're banging bars, we're hitting each other sometimes. And I want to be able to like handle that and not get tossed, you know? So yeah, so there's a bit of that and, you know, balancing and I've also had multiple concussions in my career. So I find that coordination exercises, balancing exercises, stuff like that really helps me get back on the ball quicker. One thing that I've noticed in following you on social media is that you have a severe attention to recovery. You know, training is one thing. We all know how to train, or at least that's why we hire the Joanne Kizanowskis or the Zach Allisons of the world to te- to make sure that we're doing the right thing. But like the hard part is just chilling out and doing the recovery. And one thing you alluded to earlier on is is dry needling. And it's something that you've recently started doing. Why? Why have you gone down the path of doing dry needling? So I've been having a little bit of a, an injury um, that's just been kind of lingering. And it's probably due to my weird riding style. Um, but I've got a bit of, you know, sciatica in my in my left leg. So I get some numbness, uh, I get some shooting pain. Um, I get some weakness, all, all symptoms of sciatica. You know, I'm trying to do self-therapy, 
foam rolling, using a lacrosse ball on my glute, all kinds of things for self-therapy, a little bit of body work. But yeah, nothing was really quite like hitting these trigger points that I have and um, and nothing was like effective and I wanted something like immediate for, especially for the pain relief. So it was my first experience with this and I was actually pleasantly surprised how quickly the pain went away. It did make me feel flat, like it kind of killed my legs a little bit, but they're like, that's normal. That's to be expected. But yeah, it's like, it's, it's the needle. They hit a trigger point and they also did shock therapy on me, um, which actually feels really good. I thought that would be like really bad or like I was, I was kind of scared. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. But yeah, that was actually the most pleasant part about it. The worst part was just like them putting the needle in and hitting the trigger point. Once they hit the trigger point, it just kind of like relaxes everything and it effectively, you know, deeply penetrates the muscle. So they're like, you know, they're hitting the spot that needs to be hit. So yeah, I just, I just trusted the process. I trusted the people here uh, with their experiences with it. And um, yeah, so I'm, I was able to get through most of our, our workouts that, you know, just take all your effort, just take everything, you know, and I was able to, to make it through, you know, obviously gimping away at the end, but, you know, I was able to make it through the workouts and, um, yeah, so I think it's super effective. Yeah. I mean, it's not for everybody. Some people hate needles, but you know, that's your thing. Is this a, a fix or is it a maintenance type thing, you know, with dry needling? Cause a lot of us will do massage or chiropractics and that's a, a maintenance thing. You, you go in there every week, every day, every month, whatever it happens to be. And basic maintenance is dry needling that, or is it like, no, you've got an issue that needs to be addressed to me, Cairo massage. That's the basic body work that I always get done. Um, the problem is with, with COVID is I just haven't had that access to those things because of the restrictions we have here at the training center at the moment. So I would say like, I only considered the dry needling because I wanted an immediate fix. I wanted something that I, you know, uh, I had been told is, you know, highly effective, but I probably wouldn't get it done all the time. You know, it, it, it killed my legs a little bit for probably three days. Um, and then I started to bounce back. So yeah, it's definitely an effective way to, you know, hit your trigger points. But yeah, I don't know. I don't think I would do it all the time. Definitely more of a like, we want, I want to get this thing. I want to get this thing done. So I'm just gonna, you know, go for it. But um, yeah, I would say I'd rather do Cairo and massage over that any day. One thing that, you know, you've started to promote more and more is healthy sleep. Yes. I think a lot of us have neglected that, especially those of us who are in the amateur ranks who are just like, I'm too busy, quote unquote, too busy to sleep. And, you know, how many different sleep trackers do they sell these days? You know, you've become a spokesperson. Is that the right word for chili sleep? An ambassador, an ambassador. Yep. Okay. So talk to us about Chili sleep. What is this? I was introduced to it by uh, Sky Christofferson, um, who has his uh, gold app. He was part of the the documentary Going for Gold, right? And it's it's a really, I think, a really good tool because I'm I was always a good sleeper, always. Um, at least I thought I was, and. I've found like as I've gotten older and as I've crashed a bunch and I've, you know, gotten concussions, I, I haven't been as good of a sleeper, you know, and I'm I'm always waking up having these disturbances. I also, you know, I heat up at night and, you know, get the sweats and <laughs> and uh, you know, have to chug a bottle of water and I just found that whenever I tried this product I was able to sleep through the night and not wake up super hot, not wake up, you know, for any other reason than, you know, I'm just, I'm waking up because of sunlight or um, I'm waking up because of a dream. And that's been really refreshing, really nice, not being disturbed. 
It's this cool like pad that it goes on your mattress and it covers half the bed. So you need you have your own unit for your half of the bed. Your partner can have their own unit and their own, you know, it's kind of like one of those sleep number beds, but like, (laughs) you know, kind of like a little air conditioning unit. Yeah. And it just, you can set it to, I think the lowest temperature is 55 degrees and it goes all the way up to 115 degrees if you get super cold. I don't know. But yeah, I've, I really like it. And I feel like I gravitate towards the pad. Like I don't really move from the spot that I'm on. Like I just, I like, I like this cool surface. It's really great. I've, I've been super happy with it so far. No complaints. I actually have, I track my sleep and, you know, I wake up, I wake up from a dream or I wake up because the sun's up, you know? So it's been, it's been a really good tool to add in my regimen. And yeah, I'm just, I'm getting a lot better high quality sleep. It actually show I have this app that just shows like when I'm in REM sleep, um, when I'm in deep sleep, and um, I'm getting a lot more of both of those things rather than sleeping light or waking up. So I'm really happy with the product. Does it bother you at all? I mean, does it make noise in the middle of the night? Is it a quiet unit? So it constantly runs and it's like a white noise. And it's, it doesn't bother me at all. It's, uh, it's actually quite nice to kind of like have this like little light hum. I hardly even notice it. But yeah, I, I feel like I, I fall asleep relatively quickly, like within five, 10 minutes, I'm usually pretty out. I know that for me, it's kind of an issue. You know, if you have a partner or you share your bed, you as the bike racer are always going to be like this furnace. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's January or if it's July, you, you, you get in bed and, and like, your legs just start radiating heat. Absolutely. And in the winter, that's really great because all the cats want to curl up with me <laughs> because I'm the warm one. And, you know, but this device seems like it's it's designed for folks like us who are constantly pushing the limits of our body and, and we need that restorative sleep, but our body by virtue of trying to repair itself is fighting us from getting that restorative sleep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I, I can't tell you like how many disturbing nights of sleep I had, you know, my, my legs are just like on fire because like they're so loaded up and I just, I can't cool off. Like I, I tried to take, you know, ice cold showers before I go to bed and, you know, drink cold water and all those things. And like now I, I just take a, you know, I take some water before bed and I, I send my, set my, uh, chili sleep to, I have to set on 60 degrees and I usually turn it on like 10 minutes before bed and, uh, let it cool down to that temperature. And even one of the, the tips is like, go take, you know, a mildly hot shower. And then while you're taking that shower, have your, your chili sleep on. And, um, once you're out of the shower, like, crawl straight into bed and you'll fall asleep within five minutes like boom oh so you're pre-chilling the bed yes you pre-chill the bed yeah it's pretty cool yeah it's pretty cool and it's like just the difference in like the drop in temperature from you know the hot shower to this cool surface that you know just makes you want to fall asleep so fast yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty awesome. I I'm in love with it. I just I can't imagine a night's sleep without it now. So um, it's pretty cool. So like I've got this. It's called the Chili Pad, and then there's this uh, this other the Chili Ooler. Yeah, the Ool. Yeah, so that thing is huge, and um, that's more for like your home. And the Chili Pad that I have is smaller. It's like a little cube. And um, I just put it in my bike case and travel with it. Like I, I traveled with it um, from Ventura to here. And if people want to know more or learn more about it, we'll put this in the show notes, but it's chilitechnology.com. Yeah. And they've got two incredible, and they're not really like super expensive units compared to some of the other things that we all use on a regular basis and swear by. So like, Definitely something worth looking at. Yeah, you just you just put water in it and turn it on and boom, done. You know, you have a cool bed to get into. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty awesome. I highly recommend it. And if you, you know, want a discount, I've got a code. It's uh, my name, Kendall22. 
and that'll give you 22% off. Thank you so much. We'll put, we'll be sure to share that out on all of the social media feeds when we put this out. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) One of the things that comes with sleep or is somewhat associated with sleep is, is the, the mental component of bike racing in, in the positivity and avoiding depression, or if you become depressed, seeking proper treatment and making sure that you, you know, maintain a positive focus on it. I know that you, Kendall, you are somebody who is a strong proponent of making sure that positivity stays a part of your own personal life and your own personal approach with bike racing. How has that affected or improved your life in general? So I've, I've actually, you know, I've struggled throughout my career to keep, keep positive. Everybody does. And I, you know, I've had so many messages from younger kids, from people, um, you know, just getting into the sport, just like, how do you do this? How do you do this day in and day out? This is so exhausting. I'm just, I'm mentally fried from just, you know, putting myself through this. Like, how do you stay motivated? How do you, how do you keep pushing yourself? And for me, you know, it, I, I go through, I go through the same things that everybody else does. You know, I, I feel those same exact feelings. Everybody does. Everybody at this level does. So, you know, it, it's like, I want to normalize it. I'm like, no, you, you know, everybody goes through this. You're not the only one, you know, you're not alone in this. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a struggle. I mean, these are character building days. These are days where you're going to dig deep and you're going to, you know, find yourself on the, on the top of a, of a mountain, you know, questioning like, oh my God, like, am I actually a professional athlete? You know, do I do this for a living? Like what's wrong with me? And nothing's wrong with you. You're just going through it. You're, it's a process. Like you have to appreciate the process. And it's like, okay, well, God, man, I'm up this freaking mountain. You're up a freaking mountain. Like you just dragged your ass all the way up that mountain, you know, look at the, enjoy the view. Like you did that, you know? And it's, yeah, it's like, you just have to keep looking at the positive things. It's like that, that ride, you know, that's, that's still money in the bank. Like you still did the training even though you were dragging ass the whole time, even though you were hurting in the box, it's like, you still got it done. And even if you can't get it done, it's like, that's just a bad day. That's just, that's just a shitty day. And you're going to have a better day the next day. Because every day is a new day. Every day is a new opportunity. And you just have to put the bad days behind you. um, Because that's going to enable you to be on when you need to be on on your race days has the darkness ever gotten you oh absolutely we're all athletes we've all been through it and you know if you look at your results you are i hate to tell you this you're a human absolutely you have had good months you have had bad months you've had good years and bad years what's it like for you when that darkness descends oh it's you know it's (laughs) Joe, Joe could tell you all the times that I've literally been like, Joe, I'm crying on the side of the road and I'm just having a bad day. I can't do anything. I can't do any intervals. I'm just destroyed. Like, God, I'm worthless. Like you, she could just, you know, she's probably lost count of the times that I've called her and just been like, absolutely just smashed on a ride and like in a dark place, in a dark hole. And I just like sit there sobbing for like 30 minutes, like to her. (laughs) Sorry, Joe. (laughs) But yeah, it's like, it's hard. It's really hard. And sometimes it's just like, just, just cry it out, you know, just let it out. (laughs) Like soon, like it'll pass and you'd be like, okay. All right. So what I've, what I've tried to do to avoid that is like, if I'm having a day where I'm like, I, I don't think I could get through this workout, you know, 
I look for things that would make my ride better. So stopping at a coffee shop, riding my favorite road, riding with a friend, just certain things, you know, riding in my favorite jersey. I don't know, just just something something that makes me feel good, you know, and I'm always riding with my music when I'm training. Um, so, you know, it's like you got to do things that are going to make you feel good. And, you know, even if those things don't work, it's like, you know what, I did everything I could today. And I got to be proud of that. Like I still got myself out on the bike. I still tried. And yeah, and that's okay. Like, that's totally okay. (laughs) It's, it's hard for people to be go, go, go all the time. It's literally impossible. Whoever figures it out, like, wow, (laughs) like that's going to be awesome. (laughs) But it's impossible to be go, go, go all the time. And yeah, you're going to have you're going to have good days, you're going to have bad days, and you're going to have really, 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 really good days when you win a bike race. And it makes all those fucking shitty days, sorry for cussing, worth it. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 a struggle bus. Like, you just got to ride it out. <laughs> this is 2021. The year that's about to happen is going to be a year basically unlike any other for you. You know, you are going to join Legion of Los Angeles for 2021, yep. which means you're leaving Team Tibco. Yep. And you have been one of the longest continuing members of Tibco, which is itself one of the longest running women's teams in the country. Does it scare you to step out from this place of comfort to creating this new untested team of women within the confines of this insanely successful men's program. So for me, I, I needed a change. Um, I needed a change of pace. I needed something that felt fulfilling. And I just think I wasn't going to get it staying on TIBCO. And that program is absolutely awesome. You know, Linda Jackson is the real MVP for, you know, what she does for women's cycling and having a team running for that long is 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 amazing. I didn't really have a plan. I quit Tibco and I decided like, okay, I'm going to focus on track and I'm going to I'm going to really try to make this Olympic team because this is what I want. This is my goal. This is this is everything to me. You know, and I've sacrificed a lot to get to get to where I am. And I, you know, I want to make it all all worth it. And it was it was becoming uh, a con a confliction of race schedules. I, you know, I hadn't raced with the team. And, yeah, I, you know, I, I felt bad that that I didn't have time really for them. I, it was pretty much all just focused on track. So I just decided, you know, hey, this is just not going to work anymore. And my goals have changed. And I really, I really want to focus on this big dream of mine, because um, I think, you know, this is this is a super important time. And I want to be fully committed to this. So then, you know, Justin's my buddy, you and the Williams brothers go back. Absolutely. Yeah, we go back major motion, LA. (laughs) It's like, you're you're the OGs when it comes down to the Southern Cal. Scene. Yeah, we go way back. I mean, I learned I learned how to handle my bike and sprint from these guys. You know, on the same junior team growing up, and I was really um, I was really like bummed that you know I was quitting Tipco, and so I started talking to them, and, and I was like, well, so what are you, what are you guys doing? Can I uh, kind of be a part of your squad? <laughs> You know, because I, I was like, I could do, I could do men's races with you guys. I could do some, some, uh, local races with you guys, whatever, you know, just joking around. And then I was like, well, okay, you got this really great thing that people are gravitating to people want to be a part of. And I was like, man, I want to be a part of it. You know, like, I think what you guys have here is super special. I think it's a great mission statement. I think, you know, I think the world of these guys, they're just like the most giving and thoughtful guys. And I just, 
I was like, oh, I want to be a part of it. You know, um, what can I do? You know, what do you what do you think? What about a women's team? Um, <laughs> and then we just kind of started like getting the ball rolling. And he was like, well, funny you started to mention that because, well, Skylar Schneider hit me up too, you know, wondering what was going on. And then it just kind of just started the snowball effect. And it was just something to get really excited about again. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I want to do crit racing, crit life. Like that is going to be so much fun. Like, yes, I would, I would love to be a part of the team. And I would love the fulfilling role of, of just sharing all my experiences, share, sharing everything with the younger generation coming up through the ranks like I would love to like groom them I'd love to share everything I can with them my knowledge and it's just I feel like this is just going to be really fulfilling and, and help identify as well you know riders that are young and up and coming and want to be professional bike racers I'm hoping that it's just going to be a snowball effect I'm hoping that on the women's side we can just you know we can grow just as big as the men's side um, on legion and and just make make this sport better. And it starts, you know, it starts from the grassroots. It starts from getting young kids on bikes. And I think I think they do a really good job of that and being a lot more inclusive, you know. So yeah, I'm I'm super proud to be part of it. Let's talk the who, what, when, where, and then we'll get to the why. Obviously, it's you and Skylar. And Skylar's coming from a UCI team as well with Bulls Doman. Who else are we going to start to see coming into the to the lionesses? Yeah, so now there's also Avery House. So she's, I think she's been riding for two years. And this girl is just mind-blowing. So we went on a ride back when I was home um, over a month ago. And her bike handling skills were just mind-blowing to me. Like... I was like, you've been riding for two years, seriously? And she is just descending like a mad dog. And I'm like, who are you? Like, this is, I'm like, she needs to be on the team. Get her on the team. She better be on the team, like, after this freaking ride, because this girl deserves, you know, she deserves a chance. Like, she's, she's definitely a star in the making. I was like, wow, I was so impressed. And, you know, this girl can climb, she can sprint. You know, she can descend, she can handle her bike. I'm like, she's a triple threat. Like, this is just, this is so awesome. So, yeah, she's part of the team, Avery and um, and Skylar and myself. So there's just three of us at the moment. I'm hoping that, you know, this year we can kind of throw out some opportunities for people to, um, to ride with the team and just form, like, a squad for, you know, maybe a stage race or a crit, and they can, you know, kind of, show their stuff and show what they can offer to the team. I don't know that we'll be able to afford to grow the team for next year, but definitely talent IDing um, some filler spots for races. Absolutely. This is the fun part here. Uh, your team USA page. Um, I don't know when your bio for team USA was last updated, but it lists your favorite animal as a lioness. And clearly, Legion has as its um, major symbol is a lion. I don't know about you, but my Instagram feed, because I'm a father of cats, is all these wildlife, you know, suggestions. Like, you can watch this lion doing this or this, you know, tiger doing that. One of the things that's so different between men and women or male and female lions is the approach to society and social. And I promise we're going to get somewhere. This is a long walk, but I, in my own mind, it's totally worth it. A male lion, by size and strength and everything like that, it can do whatever it wants to do. It, it wants to go after the biggest wildebeest, fine, take it down. Lionesses, they are social creatures. They hunt in a group, they live in a pack, they you, they help each other raise young. And because of that teamwork, because of that group social mentality, they thrive and have the capacity to do things that the male lion just simply can't. Like I saw a video once of a pack of lionesses 
taking down an elephant. Jeez. You would never see a single male lion going after an elephant. What is it that Kendall Ryan is looking for in her pack? You know, Skylar and Avery, obviously these women are incredible, but you need three, four other women, you know, to be a part of your pack. What I really like about what kind of, kind of how uh, I was brought up on the junior team is just having bike handling skills. So usually people that have, have bike handling skills, I have a huge appreciation for, because if you have skills, we can build a motor, you know, if you have, if you have skills, it's just, that's exciting to me because that shows that, you know, you can be put in difficult positions and races, uh, and you can adapt to the situation. Um, another thing is being able to read a race. People that can read races, I really have a huge appreciation for. Um, people that can work with teammates, and this is a learned skill, but just kind of having that intuitive part of you where where you can communicate kind of like without having to like yell at each other or tell each other what to do. It's kind of like, okay, Kendall just used a match to cover a move. It's my turn. You know, just knowing and being able to read your teammates when they need help, being able to read a race, a situation and being able to adapt on the fly without really having, you know, me to scream at you (laughs) to go chase it down or cover a move. You know, it's, those kind of qualities I, I, I really uh, admire in people. So now that you're back into hashtag crit life and, and you're ready to get back into Clarendon armed forces, you know, gateway cup, Murrieta, uh, Manhattan beach GP, a lot of these classic races that you have done so many times before, and you've succeeded at doing as well. I want to kind of close out here talking about the the Kendall Ryan moments of just like sheer joy and enthusiasm. Oh my gosh. When you've when you've won races in a sprint. And you know where I'm going because I I kind of told you this when we were talking about before the show. So 2017 you won the hill at Gateway Cup. It's the third day of the set of races. And I remember it distinctly because I was a cat too and I had just finished my race and I was on my way to get some gelato. There's a little gelateria right there at the start finish line. I, I, I get some gelato. I'm enjoying myself. Your race is about an hour long, which is coincidentally the amount of time it takes for me to in really truly enjoy all the double scoop gelato. And I come right out as the finish is happening and you won and you won in a hardcore, you know, throwing the bike all over the place sprint and the primalism of the scream that your victory unleashed. Yeah. And it's not, that's not the only time you've done that. You know, like where, where does this, this emotion come from? I think it's because I, it usually happens after like a, like a frustrating race or, you know, or like when I'm finally like getting some form and I'm just so excited because I'm just like, yes, finally, you know, like, oh, and I just like every like ounce of energy that I have left, I'm just I'm letting it out. Like, I'm just, you know, I'm just so excited and happy that, you know, all of those hours of training, suffering stopping at the side of the road and crying my eyes out and talking to Joe, like all of that paid off, you know? So it's like everything that goes into it. Right. And I'm, I'm finally getting that output. I'm finally getting that, that release. Like, I'm like, yes, finally, you know, everything, everything went right. Even though that day, everything just went so wrong in the race. Like, you know, there was breakaways and, you know, I had no teammates. Um, I'm by myself. I have, no way of chasing anything down. And then also like I had a double flap, you know, and, and then I'm, 
off of my sew-ups and my nice wheels onto training wheels and clinchers. And I'm having heavy legs because it's the last day. And and then I just somehow like got all this like this energy to like, you know what? Like everything's going wrong, but oh my God, I just like I gotta get back in this race and I gotta just smash the sprint. God, I think it was like seven laps to go, got back in. And yeah, just I was just like, I have to like smash this sprint. I have to just let it all out. And um, it was actually like slightly downhill, but this course was super hard. It had a hill in it, I think. And uh, like a drag on the back stretch. Yeah, it was just like all about positioning, really. And just coming off a wheel, like at the right time. And I think uh, I think out of the corner, I was like second or third wheel. And then I just hit the gas. But yeah. Usually when I when I win I get pretty excited and I scream and but yeah it's just that excitement of like you know all that hard work everything that I put into it and finally getting that you know that win um, and no matter like how big or small it's always exciting you know um, no matter what race no matter what caliber it's like yes <laughs> I beat all these other people <laughs> so yeah. So what lies ahead for you in, in 2021? I mean, I know that it's almost next to impossible to figure out what's going to happen, you know, Ugh, yeah. but Especially you've got COVID. this goal. <laughs> yeah. You've got this goal of the Olympics. Uh, you obviously have to defend your unusually high win percentage at Armed Forces Cycling Classic, <laughs> but you know, where do you want to go with, with this sport now? I find out, we all find out in June who's on the Olympic squad. I guess after June, I'm reassessing, you know, if I'm going all in track and, you know, I'll just be kind of like trying to mentor the team um, from a distance. (laughs) Hopefully I get to race with them a few times, but it would definitely be my sole focus being ready for the Olympics if I got selected um, over, over racing crits. The team knows that. Um, they're all super understanding and really respectful of my goals. But yeah, if I don't, if I don't make it, then I'm going to show up to every crit and we're going to win, you know, no matter if it's me or no matter if it's team, my teammates, I want to win everything. Cause I'm going to be so freaking pissed off that I didn't make the Olympic team. <laughs> so yeah, watch out. That would be an angry Kendall showing up. Yeah. And I'm not nice. <laughs> So somebody just draws a white line on the ground, you're going to race to it. Yeah, absolutely. Racing, winning everything. I don't care. Like, if you're in my way, get out of the way. <laughs> but yeah, I, um, yeah, if I didn't make the Olympic team, I would just, yeah, go straight savage mode. <laughs> well, we are very much looking forward to you making the Olympic team and seeing you go savage mode, you know, with the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, yes. Fingers crossed for that, man. Jeez. I'm nervous talking about it. (laughs) Kendall, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We're going to be following you throughout the rest of 2020, well, 2020 and all the way into 2021. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us on another episode. We are a proud member of the Wide Angle Podium Network of Shows. Today's show was written, produced, and edited by me, Rob Kelly. For more information about Criterium Nation, about crit racing, about bike racing in the United States, head on over to CriteriumNation.com and check out the website. Or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Criterium Nation. Please stop by again next week when we tell more stories from our Criterium Nation. The Slow Ride Podcast, three idiots who are usually wrong. The Slow Ride Podcast, the titanium of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. It's like if David Vanderpool had a podcast. The Slow Ride Podcast, the Zwift racing of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast, find the real advice. The Slow Ride Podcast, the arrow helmet of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast, sport leader coming through. The Slow Ride Podcast, when's Lance gonna sue us? The Slow Ride Podcast, the experts in French cycling. The Slow Ride Podcast. 
official fan experience zone on Facebook. The Slow Ride Podcast, the gravel bike of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast, both vertically and horizontally compliant. The Slow Ride Podcast. New episodes every Tuesday.